tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren. He's Brett Terpstra. Brett, how are you? I am. So, like, right before we started this podcast, like this exact recording, I was buried in like building a whole new website for a bunch from scratch. And as an ADHD person who gets hyper focused, yep. it's really hard for me to switch. let go. Yeah, to switch tracks. So I'm working on that right now. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. And 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 I'm and we'll we'll talk about some of your code stuff a little bit later. Unless um, I mean, we could skip Brett's um mental health corner and go straight to Brett's coding corner if that would help you transition, but I don't know. Let's let's make that a we'll we'll see where we're at at the 45 minute mark. And if we want to dig into like the inner workings of Brett's code brain at that point, that's fine. Okay. But for right now, we'll stick with our kind of the usual topics. Yeah, that sounds good. So mental health corner update. Yeah, how are you? I'm okay. I've been, I don't know, this, the whole, this whole thing is just getting to me. It's been kind of a shitty week, to be honest, but, but I'm okay. I did volunteer yesterday, again, at um, the uh, place. Vaccination clinic? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was really cool. We gave 8,000 doses and I made the mistake of signing up for an afternoon um, shift and ended up having to stay about an hour and a half after should have been there because the line for people to get in, some people were waiting in line for two hours outside to get inside and traffic apparently was really bad getting down to the stadium because there was also a Mariners game happening. So the the Mariners are the Seattle baseball team and where the Vax clinic is happening is, is taking place at the larger Lumen Field, which is the, the where the Seahawks, the football team play. And so it's not actually like it's an outdoor stadium. So they're not doing the vaccinations outside, but there's like a, a theater kind of area that's attached to the stadium that's big and like they have college graduations and stuff like that there. And so that is where people are having the that was where they're doing the vaccination stuff and but they're right across the street from one another so like the football stadium and the and the um, baseball stadium are literally across the street from one another so when you have they were they got eight thousand doses that they were giving out throughout the day so you have that many people coming in and then the baseball game and then I don't know if there was some sort of other holdup. The traffic was apparently really really bad so things were sort of backed up and then the line to get in it was like some people, like the, the the very last people that we were helping, it was like people were had been in line for two hours, which oh. is crazy, but also as bad as voting. Yeah, but honestly, I don't want to say more important, but I'm going to say more important. Um, yeah, I, I got. I, you could argue that either way. Either way, I think you could go that way. I, I think the the reason I will say more important is because it's 16 and up, and you have to be 18 to vote. And, (laughs) and also there's not a residency requirement. You know what I mean? Like a vaccination is for everybody. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, Um, but, but I, I could see, I, I, I would be open to the other argument as well. I'm not like committed to it. So yeah, that was cool. It was, it was nice. I was just doing data entry stuff. So I would sit with, you know, the person who's giving this shot and enter in all the information. And that was nice to be able to kind of help. It was nice to see so many people out there because I've been, worried you know we talked before about like you were able to get your appointment relatively quickly which was great but some people in some places have been having an easier time getting appointments not because the supply is better but because people are like not wanting to get vaccinated which is concerning so it's good to have that much of a line for that many doses um, how, uh, how, how are things with you? Like mental health wise, have you been like any, you like manic Super or depressed spirals? Yes. Like just stable that Love two it. and a half milligram switch in my dosage was, I, my doctor was right. I kind of scoffed at the idea that two and a half milligrams of anything could really matter, <laughs> but she, she nailed it. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That's really, really good. Any, uh, anything on the job update? No, I just checked in with them today. It's still going through like all of the internal processing. And I'll admit, I'm a little nervous. I I live in an independent world where things are a little more agile. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, if if something takes a couple of weeks, I start to think something's going on. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, living in like kind of the corporate world, I know how slow stuff can be, but I also, that doesn't change. It doesn't make it any better. Like I'm not somehow more comfortable. Like I somehow don't feel like, oh, this is great, you know, like, or everything's okay because of um, how long something could take. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you know object impermanence is uh, listed as both for autism and ADHD a symptom? No. This is, uh, okay, so the reason I went down this sudden tangent is the idea, like, when you're traveling, do you have to, like, repeatedly check to make sure the ticket's in your bag or open your phone and make sure you have it, like, in the wallet? No. No. I do. Once I've checked once or twice, I can convince myself I don't need to check anymore. Right. But, uh, but I was talking with Elle, and we have that kind of in common, the the nagging... Once you can't see something, the need to find it and make sure it's actually there, which yes. also ties into how I lose shit all the time. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really have that, although there are, but I, but I know plenty of people who, it's interesting. I, I feel like that I can see that being a symptom of both, like for, for both of those, like ADHD, autism, but also OCD and stuff. But I know people who I would consider very neurotypical who have that too. Oh, sure. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have that. Um, it is one of those things. Like I make sure that I check before I leave, but I, but I lose shit all the time. Like sunglasses and me are, I'm famous <laughs> for losing sunglasses and I'm not talking about cheap sunglasses. Like I'm talking about like expensive, like Ray-Bans. And then I'm very mad at myself. I had like a really, really good streak with a pair of Ray-Bans where I had them for like three years. No, not three years. Like the like, two and a half years, almost three years. And then I lost them. And after that, like I was going through significant numbers of pairs. I've most recently lost my Apple watch and I don't know where it is. Yeah. And, and it's somewhere in my house. I don't know. I remember doing something with the band and I thought that I put it on its charger and I didn't, and I couldn't find it yesterday. And this is because I don't wear my watch every day now. And I have another one if I need to, you know, if I can't find it or whatever, but it's, it's still like that one's frustrating to me. So I don't have probably, but it's, it's been so long since I realized I lost it that (laughs) like a charge to be, it doesn't have a charge. Exactly. So, so it'd be worthless. Um, this is the problem, but yeah, I don't have that object and permanence thing. Although I probably should ingratiate that in myself for things like sunglasses and like, earphones. I don't know that I I should have it, but I don't like usually like my passport and stuff like that. Like I know that that's in my person. The thing that I have sometimes is that somebody will hand me like a piece of paper and I'll know it's important and I'll put it away and then I'll suddenly not be able to find it. And usually it's okay. But there are times where I'm like, what did I just do with that? I I don't lose stuff that I use frequently. Like i I have tiles on my keys and in my wallet. I've never had to ring them. Like, I always know where my sunglasses, my keys, my wallet, stuff that I use more than once a week, I always know exactly where I left it. Anything beyond that, like trying to find my my taxes, like all the, you know, forms from independent contractor stuff. uh, They came in. I put them somewhere. I thought these are important. I'll put them somewhere I'll remember I don't know. I, I had to ask for more. I had, pe- I had to ask people to like resend them because they're around yeah. here somewhere. But pff. yeah, I mean, I, it, I'm kind of the opposite in, 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 in a weird way. Like it's the stuff that I use frequently that I will have to figure out where it is. And then it's the other stuff that I will usually, if I'm putting it in a safe place, like I'm committing it to memory. Although there are some things where I'm like, I know where it was, but I don't, might not know where that thing is. Right. Like there, there's like a folio that I have that has my, social security card, my birth certificate and, and, um, things like that. But I don't know where that is at the moment. Um, for tax stuff, I try to just have everybody give it to me digitally. Before I pull off a perfect segue, do you want to, you want to hear a three-year-old review of this podcast? Yes, I do. A dramatization. This is from Zwirly. And, and I, I, I don't, I read our reviews so infrequently that this went three years before I noticed it. But Zwili says, it's not that there's anything quote unquote wrong with this podcast. 
the, the couple sounds like nice people. They are unbelievably boring to listen to. Overtired really is the perfect title because it's like they haven't slept and are in a dream half-awake state just rambling on about nothing in particular. I want to give it one star because I got absolutely nothing of value out of this podcast, nothing even vaguely entertaining, but I give them two stars for at least trying. I mean, people who try are worth and then it just ends. Wow. I love it. Oh my God. I feel so seen. Yeah, so like oh, everyone listening, so good. I don't care if it's a one star review, just write something intriguing because honestly, it's it's entertaining. That it, was uh, such a good roast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to argue. No, I, we, I'm not we even. Ramble. I, I'm, We're tired. We, I'm not even remotely mad. Like that was really good. Yeah. It, I didn't take it personally, and I wasn't sure if it was because it was so old I didn't care anymore, or if just honestly, you know, it's it's okay. You can hate something. I mean, honestly, totally. to me, if you dislike something that much, you just don't listen to it again. You don't go leave a shitty review. But you know, I mean, there's a place there, for that. I don't know. I like. I would be. I think the reason I'm not mad at that, and like it genuinely doesn't bother me. It kind of tickles me, is because. Like, there's some truth in that. Like, that's not a bad review. Like, I'm I'm fairly self-aware, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't really hurt me too much because there's some truth in that. The ones that would get that get me are the ones that are either trying really hard to be mean, and that one really wasn't. Like, you know, there there are ones that can be really mean about talking oh, about what your voice sounds like yeah. or what your face is or right. or this or that. You know what I mean? Like, that's ones the that stuff make it that, super personal. Yeah, yeah, but like there was nothing personal in that. And it wasn't um, bad. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. Like I feel sufficiently called out, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're not for everybody, and that's okay. There are there are people who continue to listen to us week after week, and we appreciate you, and who don't feel that way. But I'm not going to argue with people who do find that who do have that opinion. Like March on. Thank you for listening and writing a review. Honestly. We uh we have only, that's the most recent review we have. No one has no one has reviewed this show since we like took a year off and came back. Okay, so that is the one that is the one thing before we go into our what would have been a perfect segue uh, ads break thing um, that I will call out as a request for our listeners. Please leave a review. It doesn't have to be five stars. It doesn't have to be one star, although those are our two favorites. It can be two. It can be three. It can be four, whatever. But please leave a review. And as long as it doesn't get super personal where, you know, you're kind of like, ouch, that hurts my feelings. And even if you want to do that, I'm going to be honest, I will take it. But like, let's get a review that's more recent than three years, because that's all I would really like, just so people know, hey, this is still going and there are still listeners, we promise. Sorry, I was just really hot on the mic there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I felt that, sorry. Um, but, you know, there, there are still listeners. Please, please let us, uh, let, let, let the people know. I know for a fact we have listeners. Our sponsors tell us that we have pretty strong ad sales. So there must be people listening and we must be selling the shit out of some stuff. Yeah, which is great. So we appreciate you. We're just pros at this um on my uh, last episode of systematic i had aaron mankey uh of lore on and like his story is crazy because like he he was publishing his first episode of lore kind of as like a newsletter thing hey here's a free story if you subscribe to my newsletter i'll give you you know five more and it just immediately started gaining traction and now he has millions of listeners and he can do he can do ad sales for a whole year in one week and it yeah crazy success story i i i'm really really impressed and proud of aaron cuz i knew him back when he was just like a a freelancer designer just kind of like throwing things against the wall to see what stuck he never expected podcasting to be the thing. Anyway, so the segue okay. I had in mind was uh, Apple Find My uh, in reference to your watch. See, like if I had done this right then, it would have been I know. Just, mm. But uh, Apple just released an update to Find My, which is a weird name. Uh, I get I get why it doesn't have an article, but... Um, like find my that allows third parties to start 
making their products findable. Uh, so you could go into Find My instead of just your Apple devices. You could have I can't remember who the first people signing on were. Um, let Let me look that up real quick while we're talking. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool because I'm used to like buying tiles and uh, things like things like that that will ring and find my random uh, random things. But I can't afford to put a tile on everything. So if everything just came with Find My built in. Yeah, no, I would love that. Um, but it, it's interesting because they're clearly releasing this because they're going to be coming out with AirTags. And which is, that's the rumored name. Um, I, I'm not sure what it's actually going to be called, but they're going to be coming out with their tile compete. And uh, presumably this will be so that you can attach it to those things. Or to your point, they might be licensing it to other companies who are able to build it into their products, right. which would be even better. The first yeah. the first people, the first companies that are uh, making use of this are Van Moof with their S3 and X3 e-bikes, Belkin Soundform Freedom True Wireless Earbuds, and Chipolo One Spot Item Finder. I don't know what Chipolo One is, but e-bikes and earbuds, that makes sense. You can't put a tag on your earbuds, so that's super cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that this is the sort of thing where if you're able to, you know, build in whatever it is that they've built in to find my, you know, within, within I'm, I'm presuming it's, it's within like the radio stack um, and uh, and have that show up in the app. Like, that's really awesome. Obviously, there are going to be some physical items that you can't do that with or that in theory you shouldn't do that with, you know, like um, an umbrella or uh, those are things I also lose all the time. Umbrellas or, or sunglasses or whatever. I don't even own an umbrella. Well, I don't have hair to worry about. I just go out in the rain. Yeah, I mean, umbrellas aren't super common in Seattle, even though it rains here a lot. Uh, the The locals tend to look down on umbrella carrying folks, but sometimes, like if it's really coming down, like you need it. Uh, you get in one New of York, those clear, like head wrap things that old ladies wear to protect <laughs> their perms. Yeah, the issue with that is, like, again, like if it's coming down really hard, like that's not going to work. Um, that's less of an issue here too. I mean, people drive more, but like New York city, for instance, like you need an umbrella. Like there's no way that you can survive in New York city without an umbrella because no one drives. So if you're like, you can wait for maybe the rain to let up some, but sometimes it's just going to be coming down out there. Also the snow like is at times bad enough that like, you know, you, you need an umbrella for the snow. So it, it's less of an issue in Seattle um, and and whatnot, but um, yeah. Uh, but like, I did actually have a smart umbrella that some company had sent me that had an app that would let you like track, you know, where it was, but it added an enormous amount of money to the umbrella itself. And then I still lost the umbrella. So the whole thing was, was a fail, but I am happy that more companies are doing this and that hopefully I will be able to have a better sense of where stuff is. I would like, this would be a nice feature for Find My to have. If my battery is under like 20% and my device hasn't been charged, I would like to get an alert so that I can locate the device and charge it. Like that would be useful for my phone. Like, because they can tell if your phone's on your wrist or not. Like they know that. But my phone, but if my, um, not my phone, my, my watch, they know if your the watch is on your wrist or not. They know that. If my watch is, on my wrist is not on my wrist and the battery is under 20% alert me because maybe it's someplace like not on my charger and I can find out where it was. I don't know. You know, what's bugging me right now. What's that? I said that find my doesn't have an article that's entirely grammatically incorrect. I should have yeah, said like direct object or subject. Right. Uh, I was going to say, because it has the article. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm sitting here shaking my head thinking I should edit that, but you know what? Well, you've just gonna, edited it. I, no, I want to give people fodder for their two-star reviews. But also you just corrected it. So it's fine. I'd like to issue a public correction. I, my mom was an English teacher. Hmm. I should know better. <sighs> so I do you, I don't have a perfect segue, but I feel like we're at a good point to do a, a, an ad read. Yeah, I, I agree. And so 
I'm I I have the helix mattress between the two of us, so I'm the one who gets to talk about it. And uh, I'm, I'm very jealous. <laughs> you should be, because I've been sleeping on it for over six months now, and I have never been happier with a mattress. It's kind of like when I got my first Dyson stick and I realized I could have an emotional attachment to a vacuum cleaner. It's like that, but for a mattress. So they have this two-minute <laughs> quiz that asks important questions like what positions you sleep in and how much support you need. And when you finish it, they pair you with a mattress that fits those specific needs. And a one-size-fits-all approach would never work if you want perfect sleep. So I love that they have such a variety of mattresses to pretty fit pretty much every need. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses, mattresses for cooling you down if you sleep hot, and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size folks. Uh, like I sleep on my side, and I like medium firmness. And after a few months of sleeping on the midnight mattress they paired me with, I can say for absolutely certain they got it right. You can head to helixsleep.com slash overtired and take the quiz yourself. See what you get. One of my favorite things about this mattress is how cool it stays. My previous mattress was another brand that comes in a box, and I had to add a gel cooling topper to it just to stop sweating at night. My Helix mattress stays cool all night, no tossing, no turning, and no weird sweaty dreams. You don't have to just take my word for it either. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So if you want to sleep better and be less overtired, head to helixsleep.com slash overtired and take the quiz, order the mattress that you're matched to, and it will come right to your door shipped for free. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free, and it has a 10-year warranty. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and take it away, full refund. So if you're ready to sleep better, head to helixsleep.com slash overtired. And if you use that link, Helix is offering overtired listeners up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. That's helixsleep.com slash overtired. I really do think you'll love it. That's awesome. And I'm very jealous. And I'm glad that you don't have to have a gel copper on your mattress anymore because those are annoying, to be honest. They really are. They really are. Yeah, no, it, it stays so cool. It's so nice. That's awesome. And I got a down, et cetera, pillow. Have you ever had a down, et cetera, pillow? I have not. Have you ever stayed at the Zeta in San Francisco? I have not. I stayed there. This was almost a decade ago, but it was a new hotel at the time. They just built it and the pillows amazed me. Like I, I, I kept wanting to just go back to my hotel room and sleep just because of the pillows. So I asked when I was checking out if, if those pillows were available for sale and they gave me a card for down, et cetera. And those are the pillows I've been buying ever since. Not a sponsor to be clear. I just fucking love their pillows. If you want to spend $150 on a pillow, that's the place to go. Okay. That is that is a big investment on a pillow. However, if it lasts a long time, then like it's probably worth it. Well, so they're feather pillows. And feather pillows will, after you know a few years, they'll get flat. Right. And that will still happen. But the more, like you can get different mixes of down and goose feather. So the more down you have, the longer it tends to stay fluffy, which is weird because you would think that would compress more, but it's not the case. So I, I try to get at least a 50-50 down and, and feather mix, even though that costs, you know, more. Down is expensive. So there was this thing uh, where Trump, and this should be a surprise to nobody, but he scammed his own supporters by tricking them into turning their one-time donations into repeating donations and oh, not repeating so monthly. Like at one point closer to the election, they actually defaulted to weekly recurring oh payments. God. This is such a nightmare. And, and, and obviously not obviously. Um, and actually also in many cases, a violation of SEC rules because individuals are only allowed to give uh, $2,000 to uh, a political oh, campaign. And he, he topped that multiple times. Right. Well, that's the thing. I think that's that's how people found out because they were having to get refunded. Um, so there are people like, but if your donation was something like, say, $25, it could have been months or, or weeks or whatever, 
you know, before they figure that out and turn off the recurring and you might not get your money back, right? Because if it's, if it's $25, even if it's going weekly, you're, you're going to be talking about, what is that? Um, uh, 40 weeks before you'd be at two grand. Yeah. I don't do math, but yeah. Um, so yeah. So like, do you want to know how much they had to refund? Uh, uh, how, how much do they have to refund? $122 million. It was 80 weeks. It would be 80 weeks if you gave $25 (laughs) a week. Sorry. So it'd be over a year. They basically took out a $122 million loan interest Mm -hmm. free, even though they paid it back. It's still without interest. Without interest. Well, not only that, but, and again, this is my point. Like I, I think the number could be higher because the way I read it, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but the way that I read this, the reasons that they were doing the refunding would be when you go over the $2,000 limit and and then you need to refund the money, right? But again, like if your donation was $25 and it's going to be 80 weeks until you meet that threshold, I don't know if that's an, I don't, I don't know if that's part of the refund or not. Like I, I don't know if they proactively went in every single person that signed up for a recurring donation, they turned off because there could be some people that did genuinely want to give on a recurring basis. Right. Yeah. So, so, so it could be way more than $122 million that they got tax-free or interest-free. What gets me is, so you make this, you make this donation, you know, you say, I want to give $25 and then underneath it, before you click, okay, there's a box that in big letters says, and I'm reading directly from screenshots here, We need your help to draft Trump for president. Check this box if you want Trump to run again. Uncheck this box if you do not stand with Trump. And then in small print underneath it, it says, make this a monthly recurring donation. So it clearly says next to the checkbox to uncheck it if you do not stand with Trump. But the checkbox is actually the one that makes it a monthly recurring donation. Wow. Which, Which How is that not fraud? Right. Then it gets scarier. The one they sent out after that says Trump patriot status missing. As a top grassroots supporter, we were surprised to see you abandon him. This is your last chance to update your status to active. And that one, if you don't, if you uncheck it, if you, okay, if you leave it checked, it doubles your donation. Whatever, whatever amount you put in, Mm -hmm. it'll double it. And then here's the last one, the one that kills me. We need to know you. we haven't lost you to the radical left. If you uncheck this box, we will have to tell Trump you're a defector and sided with the Dems. Check this box and we can win back the House and get Trump to run in 2024. Small print, make this a monthly recurring donation. They're going to report you to Trump as a defector if you don't make it a monthly recurring donation. I mean, and, and and some of this other stuff too, like they had, you know, um, would you like to join Trump on a social news media site? Right. Yes, I stand with Trump. No, I prefer fake news. Like this is, this is, this is really terrible. This is the like epitome of dark patterns. Like, yes. when, like this is what uh, think like a lot of the language in the GDPR in the, in Europe uh, was kind of designed to. Uh, avoid exactly this kind of thing no 100 percent. i mean this this is the absolute like darkest of dark patterns and really and like the thing is is that uh, i encourage everybody who's listening to the podcast if you want to know more about this to visit the, the show notes because the link that brett's talking about like you really need to see these screenshots because it's not just that they you know say these things but it's not just a dark pattern in terms of the boxes but these are yellow background with you know, black text and the way that the the monthly donation thing is there is difficult to read by design, but it's it's the yellow background thing, you know, that really kind of takes this to another level. Like this is just this is dirty. Like there's no other word for it. Like this is just dirty. This is just disgusting. And and I would say that to be very clear, if any Democratic candidate were doing this, I would say the exact same thing. People who do this are predatory and bad. And and I don't care what party they're representing or what candidate they're representing. Like this is gross and disgusting. And any group that does this is bad and should feel bad. And and I feel like stuff like this should be violating FEC laws. Like this this feels to me like a very blatant FEC violation. 
I hate it when even even when companies I like do things like make uh, subscribing to the newsletter opt out instead of opt in. Same. Like there's it's, there's just no reason for that. There's not, and it what it does is that if you're more savvy, which you know more people are becoming, but it's also difficult to be savvy. Like you have to read every single thing when you sign up, which takes more time, right? Yeah. So I'm just now at this point, I expect companies that I like to sign up for the newsletter. So I have to look and see how can I get unsubscribed. The worst thing though, is there are plenty of places where I buy something from them once. I didn't opt in to get mail, right. but I will continue to get it. And then I have to go through the unsubscribe process. And usually that is not a problem. At this point, you know, it used to be kind of like kind of lore where there's like, oh, if you unsubscribe, you just tell them that your email is still active. I'm sure that there are still places that do that. At least most, um, the one good thing I would say about like um, online shopping has become consolidated in large part by a couple of very large shopping site vendors. So like Shopify is, is the biggest. And then, you know, you have like a, like, like WooCommerce, which, you know, is kind of a self-hosted solution, although they're, they're hosted versions as well. And, and like Magento and some others, the one advantage of that is that typically things like the emails and whatnot are all handled through that platform, which means that if you unsubscribe, you can pretty much count on it to actually unsubscribe you. It's not a, yeah. You know, there are going to be some people who roll their own shopping cart from end to end, but most places know better because that's a gigantic pain. So, um, and, and so most of those third-party services have to comply with the law around email stuff, but it doesn't make it any easier. It's like every time you buy something, your email is going to become inundated with stuff. The thing I learned the hard way, and this is on a demo, this is on the Democratic side, but, you know, I donated to some campaigns and I used my normal like email address and they have sold that over and over and over again and given it to countless candidates and countless people. And I can't get rid of all of it. And I'm like, I don't want these messages because they're all fundraising messages. And I'm like, I, I gave my money to who I wanted to give it to. I don't yeah. want my entire mailbox full of, you know, um, DNC, um, like stuff and, and things from even from progressive candidates. Like, sorry, sure. I don't want that. Like I, I, I gave this candidate money. I didn't give you money and I didn't give you permission to sell this to everyone else, but that's exactly what they do. They, they sell it all. I mean, and I realize that my name is public and things like that, but like, this is a very clear thing where they share lists, yeah. they, they, they share donation lists. And, um, I wish I'd known that earlier because if I had, then I would have used, like I would have created a mailbox specifically for donations um, that I would never have to look at again. I get, so I, I use Sandbox and Sandbox has this thing called the black hole where you just move messages into the black hole folder and any future messages from that sender don't ne never make it to your, even to your spam folder, they're just gone. So I have black hole, like multiple DFL domains for this exact reason. The weird thing is, at some point, I must have made a donation with my ex-wife's name because the emails that do still get through are always addressed in like all capital letters. Aditi, we need your help. And it's, it's, I hate their entire, like, uh, it's always an emergency thing. It, like, it's always, this is the last chance. It, it feels like uh, hard sales tactics and yeah, that it feels wrong. It feels dirty. Fuck the DFL too. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, again, like this is uh, this is just so gross, and and I'm I'm very happy to dunk on the Trump uh, campaign for this, but I want to be like clear, just because I would not be surprised if this came out about certain Democratic candidates as well. Like, I would not be surprised if they were also. I, I mean, I feel like this is really blatant, and this is really like peak Trumperism thing. Well, to this, do this, like report you as a defector thing. I don't even think most GOP candidates would stoop that low. Oh, no, agreed. And, and I mean, and like, let's also be clear, they're not reporting shit. Like, they're not well, doing sure. anything. Like, this is- Trump this doesn't is, give a shit if you- <laughs> Of course he doesn't. Like, like you know, the, the, this this is fear-mongering and scamming stuff. Um, one of the, the news reports that I read something from, and might've been the Washington Post, I can't remember now, but they were talking about, you know, people who, like, there was a guy who was in hospice 
and gave $500, which he lived on $2,000 a month or under $2,000 a month and, um, or, or maybe under $1,000 a month. I can't remember now, but, but, you know, he gave what to him was a yeah. whole lot of money. He's on hospice, uh, which means that like things are not going super well because he felt so compelled to donate to Donald Trump. And then his account was overdrawn mm-hmm. and he, you know, had to feel, he had to find out that they were withdrawing this amount of money from him on a weekly basis. And he felt, you know, violated and felt like he'd been stolen from. And he was. And so people are, were, I mean, th- this was a thing where it is not like a, a, a small thing. Like people are, are you know, getting um, overdraw fees and, and things like that, which add up because every time another thing is triggered, that gives you another fee and puts mm-hmm. you in the hole that much further. And and it can be a real nightmare to get out of. And, and the people that this is going to hurt the most are going to be people who are, you know, like, the people you're preying on are going to be like your, your donors who many of them are really committed to you, but they don't have a lot of money and they're, they're, you know, it, it was a sacrifice for them to give this and, and you convince them for whatever reason they need to do it. It's just, it, it makes me really, really angry. Yeah. So sure. fuck all these people. Yeah. No, this is downright disgusting. And it's, uh, it's very frustrating that sure they had to give refunds, but they'll get away with it. Like there won't be any ramifications. Even their supporters no. will continue to support them after they stole from them. Um, well, yes and no. I have a feeling if you went into an overdraft because of your campaign donation, I'm going to be honest. I don't think there's any way, no matter who the candidate is, that you would ever give them money ever again. I think that's, uh, I, I don't, I, maybe 50% of the time, but I think there's a good portion of people who would still, who would be hurt by it having, it having happened but it wouldn't change their view on the candidate. I mean, maybe it wouldn't change the view on the candidate, but I feel like you would, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I just think that if, if you went into an overdraft, especially if you're someone who lived on a fixed income and you had to go through overdraft and you had to fight with your bank and you had to fight for other stuff to, you know, like cancel those things and get a refund and whatnot. Cause you can get a refund. I'm pretty sure. I think, I think you have to be able to get a refund for political contributions. Like, I don't think they can just keep the money um, then, um, it just might take a while for, for you to get it back or whatever. Then I, I don't know. I, I feel like you might still like Donald Trump and you might be able to convince yourself, oh, it wasn't Trump who did this. It was some bad people who worked for him. But I, I don't think that you would ever give them money again. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's wishful thinking, but I just, I just feel like that's one of those things where if somebody's done something that is, or or some organization has done something that is had a very negative impact on your financial situation, most people don't continue to give those organizations money. I don't yeah, know. yeah, I don't claim to be able to get inside the mind of the kind of person who would donate to Trump to begin with. So I, I I'm talking. I don't know. Ass. Yeah, I mean, and and but but also to be clear, like I, I don't think that this like what I'm referring to isn't even really about like who would donate to what candidate. I just think that, like in general, if because we've all been in those situations where, um, or not all of us, but many of us have been in a situation where you've gone into where somebody is like screwed up and and you start getting charged weekly or monthly or or daily or whatever for something, and it can have like a disastrous impact on your bank account. Um, I've been in that situation and it looked to me, it was, it was, you know, 20 years ago when I was, um, you know, a teenager and that company that did that, um, I would never in any circumstance give them money for anything ever again. Skype did that to me. I, I, it was long before Microsoft owned Skype. So this isn't a conflict of interest, but they were taking, if it wasn't, I would still say that was shitty. They were taking out like a hundred dollars and I don't remember what the deal was. Like I was paying for, uh, like premium Skype account, but then Mm -hmm. I started getting double charged and I didn't catch it right away. Right. Like it was, it, it billed like three times. So like $300 before I caught it and I had PayPal, I was, like I was doing it through a PayPal account and I had PayPal block future payments, which then led to Skype, you know, blocking or like ending my account and getting it back took me like a year and I had to change my username. And I had basically I had to create a new identity to get my Skype account back. It was a pain in the ass, but I'm still a Skype user. We're on Skype yeah, right okay. now. I mean, fair enough. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. 
Um, did, did it put your account into overdraft? Um, I don't know. Probably. I did not have much money then. Yeah. In my situation, it put me into overdraft and then there were additional recurring charges that would put further things into overdraft and further things into overdraft. And it was, um, it's actually one of the weird reasons why I'm, I'm strangely loyal to Bank of America because <laughs> I was 16 and Bank of America came through for me. All I don't right. know. But, um, yeah, that's uh, the kind of that's the kind of uh, image rehab that Bank of America needs. Well, I mean, but, but it also just I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, you're we're probably both right. It's probably a mix of things. There are probably some people who won't, you know, do anything. And there are probably some people who are going to be like, no, actually, I've seen actual yeah. interviews with people who who got charged, got uh, overdrafted and said they still 100 percent support Trump. Like, I know oh, those oh, people. exist. Well, no, no. I'm I, To be clear, I wasn't saying this would change their support of Trump. I was saying that this would change them giving Trump money. I would hope so. We would hope so for the sake I mean, of humanity. Uh, correct. Correct. But anyway, um, you want to do an exploit corner? Yeah, let's do exploit corner security, security theater. Well, not really theater. This is actually good. <laughs> These are bad exploits, but this is smart theater, ways to uh, theater get around about it. security. There we go. Um, yeah. So we have multiple topics here. One of, one of the ones that, kind of cracked me up was this fintech company uh they were sending out emails and documentation and where where users needed to put in uh a, a url for their financial institution they were just filling it in with defaultinstitution.com, which is you know an unregistered domain but then a security researcher, fortunately a white hat security researcher, decided just to register the domain and then uh, start, basically it gave him access to all of these emails that were being sent to what otherwise would have been a dead end. And uh, he, could, he could be a man in the middle for all kinds of stuff all of a sudden. So the lesson there, I can registered many, many years ago, example.com for mm-hmm. the exact purpose of putting in example URLs and, and doing it safely. So if you need right. to put a dummy URL in something, just use example.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love stories like this and, and kind of hate them because in the wrong hands, they could be really, really dangerous. And like, obviously in this case, this was really good that some white hat person, you know, registered this, but there was a bigger issue with, um, Microsoft actually had to step in because one of the default things that people were registering for, for years. Um, so actually this was a really scary thing. Um, so this happened almost exactly a year ago, but, uh, um, Krebs on Security had originally reported in February of 2020 um, a private citizen who was offering off the dangerous domain name corp.com, and he had a starting price of $1.7 million, and so corp being C-O-R-P.com. And the, re- the domain experts had been calling corp.com dangerous because there were like years and years of testing um, that showed that you know people who would have access whoever owned it would have access to a ton of, of you know passwords and email from hundreds of thousands of, of um, Microsoft um, Windows computers because um, the way that corp.com like worked in a lot of times was be that when you would configure certain things for an internal network, it would be like corp. Uh, you know, uh, or like like your, your subdomain dot corp would, would be how it would be done. And that would be an internal domain name for the um for the internal DNS. But what happened was that if you would take that outside of the corporate environment, um, which is what it would use for Active Directory and Windows, and you know, it was facing the outside world, corp.com is a real thing. And so if you had like, you know, like um my my consulting company is like Christina Warren Consulting. And so if I had like Christina Warren Consulting.corp.com and that's a real thing and it's no longer in the privy of like my internal network, but it's something that's facing the outside, then that if that, that gets exposed, all of my usernames and passwords, assuming I had, you know, a, a system that way, um, could be done um, that way. And and so like we've got a link in the in the show notes because it's really interesting to talk about how they'd done years and years of testing um, to see how bad this could be. And the guy who bought it originally 
had owned it for 26 years and been doing nothing with it, but he basically just wanted a payday and wanted to cash out. And it was really problematic that he was selling it for like starting bids at like 1.7 million because you could think that this would be an amazing honeypot for um, like black hat organizations or, you know, for, for, for people who want access to data for, for bad guys. Right. And, and that the amount of money that um, you could get from that would, would probably pale in comparison to the domain name. So I don't know how much they paid, but Microsoft did end up agreeing to buy the domain um, to keep it out of, you know, the, the hands of people who could abuse it. Um, but the whole thing was just really, you know, kind of, kind of crappy all around. Like, you know, somebody registers a domain name, 26 years earlier in, in 1994, who knows how much he paid for it. And, and not, and not to say that like, I'm sure that the original domain name was relatively expensive to register and, and the ongoing, you know, renewal costs are, are not, it's not as if maybe he should be asked to, to give it to Microsoft or somebody else for free, but 1.7 million seemed, I don't know, pretty gross, like sure. to set that as your starting price. <laughs> In any event, I have no idea how much they paid. I have a feel. I mean, I, I have no insight whatsoever. So I'm completely talking out my ass here. I am assuming that it was less than that. I, I'm assuming that because I don't know, uh, like that that old Simpsons um, meme about you know Bill Gates about you know buying out um, Homer's uh, internet startup and, and all they do is they just come in and destroy everything and, <laughs> and break his little egg. Is like we didn't get rich by writing a lot of checks, like. If something tells me there's some truth in that. So I, I feel like they weren't going to be, you know, like blackmailed into paying billions of dollars for a domain name. But uh, I don't know. So that, that's another example of those. Be yeah. careful with those things. Use example.com, like you said, Brett. And yeah. I think Google owns, uh, what what is it? They own, I can't remember what the uh, domain um, suffix is. Like the, a the whole TLD? Yeah, they own a whole TLD for something. Like .dev is now an actual TLD you can buy because yeah. like I own Christina.dev and things like me that. Up because I used yeah. to always do localhost servers with yes. .dev. Oh, that's what it is. It's .local, I believe, that Google owns and is is, is not selling. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> that yeah. That mess up a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So, so here we are. Um, local is a special use domain name reserved by the Internet um, Internet Engineering Task Force (IETF) so that it may not be installed as a top-level domain in the domain name system on the internet. Um, so it, it's also similar to localhost. Okay. So dot local cannot be used by anybody, which is good. Um, so yeah, use dot local. Don't use dot dev. But all of us used to use dot dev because that wasn't a real thing. And then yeah. Google made that an actual TLD. And yeah, I, and I had all these redirects in my like uh, personal my, DNS file. Yeah, and so when .dev became a real thing, it took me a week to figure out why every time I clicked a link to a .dev site, my I just spun because I was redirecting it. I was looping it back, and yeah, I figured that out. That was all me. But anyway, anyway. Um, but so there was this, what was 2019 was the big Facebook data breach? Yeah, apparently. And now, um, now it's like top of the news. What happened? So, yeah, there were like 500 million people's information was was uh, breached. And, and Facebook isn't calling it a breach per se. They're like, oh, well, people were able to data scrape leak. things using various. Stuff. It's a breach. Right. But it's but they're they're trying to spin it in other ways. Facebook is like, we're not going to tell you if you were a victim of it or not, because. A, I think that they're like, they don't want to go through that rabbit hole. And B, they're like, well, we we just don't know. Which seems fake because the data is out there. Like right. you were able to find out. Like, I don't know. Where, where did you go to find out if you were part of the breach or not? I Have haven't I looked that into it. .com. Oh, okay. They, got, they, they can tell you whether you are in the uh, initial leak and whether it's been part of any pace in any okay. forums. All right. All right, that's awesome. So, so I'll check that out. So, yeah, have I been pawn dot com and um, uh, Troy Hunt who created that service is just awesome. Um, he um, and and that's it's been integrated into a bunch of other like like one password uses it and a bunch of other services do too to like let you know if your stuff has been there. Yeah. But yeah, um, Zuck's phone number was apparently part of the breach, uh, and people found out that he's on Signal, which that I don't find surprising 
because of course he's on Signal. Like just because he owns Facebook and WhatsApp doesn't mean that he would not use something like Signal or, or another competitor service. To me, the bigger question is like, okay, so does, does Zuck change his phone number now? Like that seems like that'd be a, a, a hassle. Like... Uh, maybe not if you're Mark Zuckerberg, but yeah, I mean, even but but even his information was was part of the the breach. Uh, I'm 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 on HaveIBeenPawned.com right now, and the largest breach breaches uh, that they have uh, recorded. Facebook is number six with 509 million uh, accounts breached. Um, also, they're the most recent, so. Facebook is top of the top of the charts. So, okay, I was part, I, my phone number is not part of it, which is good. My email address that I use for Facebook was part of the 500 pixel breach, the eight tracks breach. Oh, yeah, like the, uh, I, my email, if I search my email, oh, yeah. I, my, there are the, so the, many the, over uh, the last 20 years. The anti-public combo list, whatever the hell that was, um, Kobe, Dropbox, Exploit.in, Git, Kickstarter, LinkedIn, Mac forums, Mashable. Oh, fun. (laughs) In approximately mid-2020, Mashable suffered a data breach and subsequently turned up publicly in November 2020. I didn't know this. The data included 1.4 million unique email addresses and names, along with genders, expired auth tokens, physical locations, links to social media profiles, and months of data. Wow. Yeah. So Mashable at one point tried to start our own social network called Mashable Follow. And that that must have been what was um, uh, breached. Um, uh, Tumblr, part of that. Verifications.io. You've been scraped. And Zynga, but not part of Facebook. Interesting. Okay. Good for me. Um, although pretty mad about the Mashable one. Like real mad about that one. Like, holy yeah. shit. This is yeah. this is new information that I'm learning right now on the pod. You know what this is like? This what? is like when like your former this is like when you find out that like your, <laughs> your ex-boyfriend ex boyfriend has an STD. Yeah, or no, has an STD or is like a serial killer, right? Like this is like one of those things. I think it's closer to an STD than a serial right. killer. You're correct. You're correct. This is this in, in, in the grand scheme of things. No, this is completely like finding out that your ex had an STD and you're like what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. could you could you have told me? Like, not cool. Now I have to tell everybody that I know. Um, wow. Yeah. Fuck you, Mashable. Like, what the hell? Uh, to be clear, Chris, who had built that system, he stopped working at Mashable like five years ago. So um, I, I think today, because I think the layoffs were actually five years ago today. So, so this is not his fault. And the entire product team and tech team and everybody has left and, and, and Mashable was sold at the end of 2018 or the end of 2017 rather to uh, J2 Global, which is the parent company of Ziff Davis and, and all kinds of other bullshit. So this is all their fault. I, I don't blame any of the people that I worked with back then. Uh, but fuck you, Mashable. Like this, this feels dirty. This is pretty funny, actually. Wow. Uh, there, uh, there are a bunch of like uh, last FM was hacked in 2012. Yeah, uh, but it'll it'll in the descriptions it'll tell you uh, that they were storing passwords as unsalted MD5 hashes and all of these things that if a company took security at all seriously, and you know you may have to outsource your dev team might not be experienced with. Uh, securing databases, storing passwords securely, things like that. But it would be worth if you're if you're if you have more than if you have more than a hundred users, you really should have someone come in and assess your security level. Yeah, I would agree with that. But it's hard, right? Because that costs money. And like, and if you're trying to do something that's smaller, but certainly by the so like a hundred users, I think is is puts a weird onus. Certainly a thousand. Um, if you have a big forum, that should definitely be a thing. Like, cause a lot of mine, like Mac forums was one of them. Yeah. So, so I might've said Mac rumors and that was incorrect. Sorry, Mac rumors, uh, Mac forums. Um, their logo is very similar. Um, but yeah, like some of these are, are really big. Okay. The good, okay. Mashable one, it did have auth tokens, email addresses, genders, geographic locations, IP addresses, names, partial dates of birth, social media profiles, no passwords. And frankly, that other information is all either publicly available or inaccurate. So yeah. I'm not super mad about that. 
But well, um, um, you should be using different passwords on every website. Uh, nod to one password. Uh, yeah, of course. So password passwords in a breach don't have to be uh, super dangerous if you use the breached password on every yes. other website. Well, like that, your that's bank how account. people get hacked. That's yeah. how people get hacked. Like that's how people get into stuff. Like, and that's also how people are able to find out other information. And and we've seen that before. Like uh, I remember when the Gawker hack happened that there were a number of people like um, the Gawker commenting hack. I remember this. This was 2014, maybe might've been 2013. Um, there were a number of people that I worked with who then had their social media accounts or other emails or things violated because of that. Um, and so um, a lot of these things, yeah, it's one of those, like, like I'm, I'm looking at kind of this list and um, I've changed the passwords on all those things, but I I was already at the point where I was using unique passwords yeah. for these things. But but the the bigger thing is that your password's not a big deal, but some of the stuff like your phone number, if that's there, or your date of birth, or you know other stuff, because then people can use that for like identity theft. Exactly. Although you know what we we're in the United States, we're all fucked because Equifax is hacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. like. You know, we, we've like, been fucked for a while. Yeah, no, but I mean, in that case, like, it's your social security number. Mm-hmm. Like, like, wow. I'm still mad whenever I think about that. Yeah. And they were like, oh, here's a year maybe of free credit monitoring. Fuck you. Like, monitor <laughs> right. my credit for life, honestly. <laughs> like, monitor my creditor for life, you assholes. You absolute vultures. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You should not be allowed to have... That much data about a person if you cannot afford the uh, the security on it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, especially for something like that, if you're grabbing someone's social security, like, I'm still angry that Equifax is still in business, that they're still one of the three reporting agencies. Like, should that not be disqualifying, like, in your opinion? Like, I feel like that should be disqualifying of you being allowed to be in business. Well, I when, think when you like violate Goldman things to that Sachs degree. by the same logic goldman sachs shouldn't exist anymore either after the financial crash like too big to fail i mean you know i mean i guess i I don't know i feel like the well the bank i feel a little bit differently only insofar as there were a number of banks that did fail right sure um and i would also say like the the trickle down effect of a failing bank is significant and could be like like devastating for a lot of regular people. And credit Um, reporting wouldn't have that same effect though. Well, it could, except like you have Experian and you have whatever the other one is, whatever the other one is. I I can't remember. Is is, is Experian and Equifax is another one. And so it's not as if they're the only one. I don't know. Maybe maybe they should still be able to exist. What bothered me that this was the thing that bothered me and I'm still mad about was that even after that, they still won some sort of like multi-billion dollar bid from the government Yeah, for, for a new business. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. You know, like, yeah. like pull the bid government. Like, I don't care if no one else bid on it, freaking pull it and, and go to their competitors and be like, hey, would you like this money? Because I'm sure that that they would be much more willing to, you know, put together an RFP um, in light of that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right, though. It's it's not easy to just be like, yeah, just get rid of them. I just it just bothers me that that Equifax continues to be able to operate the way they operate when their security practices were so lax. I and, feel much the same about Trump. Well, yeah, but you should only be allowed to make so many mistakes before you are just uh, just removed from uh, the public. So yeah, I brought it back around to politics. It is. We're ostensibly a show about mental health and technology and Taylor Swift, but uh, but this was a this was a very politic heavy episode, which is which is okay. Um, yeah, we, we're we're going over, but I did want to ask you before we close out: Have you did you watch the original Real World? Uh, the like the very first season. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Paramount Plus has been doing this homecoming series where they have the entire original cast back together after 29 years and they were reunited in the same loft that they lived in 30 (laughs) years ago or 29 years ago. 
and it has been oddly compelling. And I would like to talk to you about it more in the future. But I just didn't know if you've been watching the real world, if you'd if you'd seen the original se- um, series or not. Yeah, like I was, you know, back before reality TV was like a bad word to me. Yeah, yeah. the real world was interesting. Um, the real world I was awesome. Don't honestly. know if I could do it again though. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that you should watch the whole thing. It'd just be more of an interesting thing. I've been listening to a podcast, um, True Story, uh, with um, Dave Holmes, who's formerly of MTV, and um, Mike Dowdy, um, who was uh, who, who's a musician, who was with um, um, fuck. Um, now I can't think of the name of uh, Soul Coughing. Um, there we go. Um, the band Soul Coughing, and he's had an independent um, career, um, but he, uh, um, they're podcast is actually really good about is really good on it but um i uh the final episode like launched today and i've it's made me think about reality tv and stuff and we're over over time but but i just was was was, was curious if you'd watch the original series because it is interesting seeing those original seven people back together again and seeing like who's changed and who's good and who's bad and um yeah, it's 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 actually been strangely compelling. Can you imagine if we did like an overtired overtime and had like a Patreon for people to like pay extra to hear us when we just can't stop talking? Let us know on our Discord or on Twitter if you would be interested in paying for that. I it doesn't matter. I can't do it. I can't. I don't have the attention span to do more than an hour. Okay. I just never mind. I just, then. I just can't do it. I'm you sorry, people. It. I'm sorry to the thousands of people who are about to request that. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry, I can't. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, all right. Yeah, I guess that that wraps up uh, a, a a bit of a weird week. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I'm totally going to take responsibility for. I'm sorry, I've been off. You always take the blame for everything. It's never entirely your fault. No, this week it is, and it's fine. Yeah, get some sleep. <laughs> get some sleep, Fred. The system is going down low.